Welcome back to this week's episode of Grief with Grace. I am so excited to be back with you. The break I took in July was so healing for me. And I was thinking about it before I um, before I set this recording up. And I thought, you know, it's like, you know how sometimes your phone gets hung up or your computer gets hung up and you have to just turn it off because it won't work. And then when you turn it back on, it's fine. It just, it's like it just needed its little brain reset. And that's what this break was like for me. Although instead of my brain being reset, although that probably happened as well, um, it's more that my heart was reset. So um, I am excited to be back with hopefully renewed energy. And it's, it's interesting. I will admit that I made a list of things I wanted to do in July, things I wanted to read and watch and catch up on, all the things, right? But you know what? I think I did one or two things on the list that I made, and that was it. I don't even know where the list is now. Instead, I just embraced the downtime. I expanded my psychic and intuitive gifts. I connected with some people in a different way um, or a deeper way. My grandsons both spent the night with me um, throughout July, you know, on different nights. And, you know, I just allowed life to be without any agenda. And that's how I was able to deepen into my healing. And I share that so that you can look at where in your life you can take a break of some kind and just be. But now I'm back. I recorded this week's interview near the end of June before I took the break. And I will tell you, I was so tempted to release it in July because it's so good. And I had such a great connection with this woman. But I honored the commitment I made to myself. And I didn't even edit this until a week ago. So I was introduced to uh, Zoya Bakur through a mutual friend, Haumea Hanakahi, from episodes 96 and 97. Zoya has a beautiful heart and a very touching and inspiring story. She is, mm, she's another woman who has risen from the ashes of trauma and grief. And it was such a joy and a blessing to connect with her. And so I think you might see a few shifts or differences in the podcast going forward, because this is one of the things that I really leaned into during the break. And so rather than reading a formal book bio on Zoya, I am just going to bring her to you. If you want to connect with her, and I, I highly encourage you to do so, and you can read her bio then, you can go to her website. She has a beautiful website called healingwithcompassion.com. And of course, I will put a link to that in the show notes. But now, um, one more thing before I bring you the interview with Zoya. I want to be sure to remember, because I'll forget by the time we get to the end of the interview, um, in August, I am going to be releasing episodes every other Tuesday. So this episode will go out on the 2nd, and then I guess the next one will be on the, ooh, if I can figure this out in my head real quickly, I would, I think the 16th, and then two weeks after that would be the 30th. So again, there will be three episodes I have recorded I have several interviews lined up for you that are um, very deep, very profound, very insightful, and I hope you will enjoy them. But for today, I bring you Zoya. Let's get to her interview. 
Welcome to Grief with Grace, the podcast for women healing from loss, trauma, and grief, or who know there's more to life but aren't sure what it is or where to find it. Whatever brought you here, you are not alone. I'm your hostess, Lori Latimer, soul navigator, mystic, intuitive, bereaved mom, and grief and trauma guide. Recreating my own life after a divorce in 2008 and going on to create and live a life I'd only dreamed of after that, I found myself on a new healing journey after my 29-year-old son unexpectedly left this life in January of 2019. So I invite you to grab a journal, a cup of tea, light a candle and get cozy, and allow yourself to be seen, held, soothed, and inspired on your journey to wholeness. Blending the practical with the spiritual, each week my guests and I will inspire you to connect with who you are at soul level so you can find moments of joy in the everyday. Because even on the darkest days, there is joy if you know how and where to look for it. Zoya, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited and honored to have you with us today. Oh, Laurie, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just honored to be here and just to talk to you and, and everyone who's listening because what we're going to talk about is really important. Yes. And it's very sacred. And, you know, I love meeting all these amazing people that I get to connect with like you. And at the same time, I'm so sad the reason for the reason that we are connecting. Yes, I agree with that. It's um, the reason is really sad. And and yet, you know, in my ways that I started healing after my son's passing, I now look at everything as much as I can, that whatever is happening, that's not very comfortable, sad, there's always, we call it a, um, a gift in it, a something that could bring us to a next level of our lives. And um, that part we can always appreciate and accept. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love that. That's beautifully said. I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about you, about, about your life before Roy went to spirit and then, um, you know, what happened after that? Oh, sure. Thank you so much for asking. Well, I was born in Tehran, Iran. I uh, met my first husband, Roy's father, when I was 20 years old, and we got married and we moved to the United States. He used to live in Middletown, Cal- uh, Middletown, New York. He was born there. Roy was born there. And uh, when he was five years old, we decided to move to California because we had a lot of family out here. Okay. And we've been, yes, we lived in... Uh, Northridge for a long time. Roy grew up there in Northridge in a home that we had. And, you know, we were a normal family. I used to work for a telecom telecommunications okay. companies. And uh and Roy was used to go to school and um husband used to have a business. So um life kind of was normal, as normal as it could be. We had a business, I was working, and, and everything was going well. Then one night, my husband called. He was very ill, took him to the hospital, turned out he had colon cancer. And that's when Roy actually was starting law school. 
So they mixed up everything as he was trying to find the law school that he wanted to go to. My husband was getting sicker and sicker. And so he decided to stay at home and go to school to, to actually went to, to um, university in, in California. And uh, he went to CSUN. Okay. And then uh, he, my husband passed away two years after he was diagnosed. Oh. And after that, we thought we're going to pick up everything. We, Roy had, a, um, had uh, graduated and um, he was going to go to New York, had a really good job set up. We, I had everything set up in New York, almost signed for uh, an apartment. And then one night, because he was going through a lot of depression, he went to his friend's house and didn't wake up in the morning. And I was actually, I found out by receiving a call from the, this is going to be emotional, uh, <laughs> receiving a call from people who had his body and they were asking me to run tests. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Is my son sick? And I found out this all happened when I was at my mom's and she had this big party. There were like 50, 60 people. And if they weren't there when I found out, I don't know what I would have done. I would have done something to myself. So, yeah, but what I really want to also talk about is the messages that I got from him after a few nights after he passed away. Please do. Please share. Thank you. Well, my nephew was 10 years old at the time. And my mom lived uh, in uh, in Winnetka, like top the hilly area. Like if you went to the backyard, to the beautiful backyard, you would see the entire San Fernando Valley. Just oh, a wow. gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. Yeah. And that night he came and he said, my 10-year-old nephew came and said he had a message from Roy. He invited everyone to go outside the backyard. And and I and he said, just look at the moon. And I noticed the moon was much, much lower than it was like a couple of hours before because I was sitting outside looking at it. And he said, as soon as the moon is sets you are uh, as soon as messages are done you the moon is going to set i was like that's impossible i've never seen that but the messages were amazing that roy wanted me to know that he is well, with his dad he's very happy where he is and the, this was a second chance for me to live a new life and oh Sorry, <laughs> I don't know why I'm getting emotional. And that he was going to be with me through all my challenges. And to be honest with you, Lord, I mean, I mean, what we saw, and it wasn't just me, it was a bunch of people. He, um, the, When he was done, the moon literally just went down like a, like a sun setting. The moon just completely just went down. It become, became pink and red. and then it, it it was gone and the only reaction we all had was just wonder amazing inspiration and just a lot of joy and happiness that was coming up for all of us yeah so yeah so 
after that, you know, I thought, okay, you know, this doesn't happen to everyone. So I felt very lucky to to be. I felt like the most amazing, the, the luckiest person in the world at that time. And of course, you know, the grief after that is it just kept going. I was completely devastated. I felt inside of me was completely gutted out and couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Um, I was suicidal. If I wasn't surrounded by my family, my mom and my sisters that I always adore and I just give thanks to, I wouldn't be here talking to you. And um, the grief got so bad that one evening I felt like I was hurting my son's soul. And I decided I'm going to start healing this. This cannot go on anymore. I, I can't handle it. I know he can't handle it. And my poor mom, who I was living with, she had to go through her own grief. So, sure. so I got up the next morning. I started going to the gym. First thing I did. And, and it, you know, what I found was interesting that as soon as I decided that I was going to heal, and you probably have experienced this, people came forward. Miracles happened people would come forward and give me stuff, give me messages. Uh, one of the things that happened that my, one of my sisters came over to the house one day, gave me a, a coupon for a uh, art, art school. Mm -hmm. That started me, started healing me in a much faster way. Cause I started learning how to paint and draw. And that was my, ever like as soon as I remember that was what I wanted to do and I never got to do it and so many miracles happen I I always wanted to go to Europe I got to go things happened things came together and I really feel that my son was putting all of this together where he was I was grateful for that and um through everything, I started meeting people and I met my neighbor. We became really great friends. She invited me, invited me to share my story in a book called Get Your Woman On. And I started learning about other these other amazing women in that who were the writers or the authors in the same book. And from there, the book went to number one in Amazon. And then I started meeting these, these beautiful women and at the same time learning from them. And one of them who was my roommate at the time and suggested that I could be a grief coach. And I was like, what, what is a grief coach? Yeah. And that started my, he became a certified grief coach and healed a lot more in that area. And, and actually before this, what I, to mention is that I did a lot of self um, personal growth work and yeah. that was also where yeah, a lot of healing and how happened. long ago did Roy pass away passed away on June 20th 2004 oh, and passed the 18 year mark yes yes 
And we lost his dad two years before he passed. That and, is uh, yeah. a lot to experience in such a short span of time. Yes. And, and, and you know what I learned also is that after you lose a, a child, you, like we were talking about, you're not the same person. I, uh, who I was before, I, wa I was working for a telecommunications company full time. I was coming home, making dinner, taking care of the family, and working in a business during the weekends. Mm -hmm. So, to be honest with you, I had all of this, but I wasn't a happy person. I had so many things. I blamed a lot of stuff. I blamed a lot of people, not realizing what I had. And after all this happened, after all this healing, now I get to be grateful and, and be present to what is this life about. And in my opinion, this, this life is not about you, me. It's about all of us. And it's about what we can create in this world, because that's why we're here. That's beautiful. And to have that kind of experience and then the awarenesses that you've had and to take action on them, I think is key because I'm sure you found this as well with working with clients. You see people who are so stuck that they cannot move forward in life. They cannot take action and it's only by taking action that we're able to move the grief and all the emotions through us. Yes, they come back at times, but they don't stay stuck in the same place and paralyze us. Is, has that been your experience as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. So now um, in my experience, grief shakes us because we need to let go of all this stuff that's not for our highest good. So when it comes... When we feel the saddest, most sorrow, that means that we need to release what's inside of us. And the more you do it, and that's what I do with my clients, help them release what's the negative thoughts, all the lies that we've been told, all the thoughts that really are not helping us. Yeah. And that's why we can get through and be who we are authentically. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. I love the way you said it. Absolutely. Um, I know that you do Reiki. Did you do that before your husband passed away? Or is that something else that you started after Roy passed away? Oh, no. Who I am right now was com is completely different than who I was before Roy passed away. As I said, I used to go to work, come home, go to parties, maybe spend time with family. That was it. I mean, what I do right now was pretty much foo-foo, as you may call it, right. when before Roy passed away. But now, I mean, I, I, I have learned so much. And Reiki was actually introduced to me by my coach that I did a lot of healing work with. And he did Reiki on me. And I was like, wow, what is this? This is amazing. And he said, well, you can do it too. I said, really? <laughs> so when he told me and he found me a, a place to go and get attuned, the first session was 
Like I, I walked out. I still remember walking out of this beautiful lady's home after being attuned and, and feeling that I was walking on air. Yeah. I literally felt that. And, and, and after, I mean, I've been doing Reiki since 2012 and every session is just a blessing and a gift. Yeah. So thank you for asking that. <laughs> That's about when I became a Reiki master. Um, it was either 2011 or might've been 2011, but I remember um, I had a session. I was at a conference or a, a seminar with a friend and she and I shared a room and she was a Reiki master and she did a session on me. And this was before I was a Reiki master. So I had never experienced it before. And I remember when she placed her hands down near my feet, I just started laughing hysterically. It was that release of emotions. And this was before my mom had passed away. You know, life was pretty good. And I remember, I mean, I couldn't stop laughing. And it was just all that energy that had been held inside of me was being released. I hadn't even thought about that in years. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But when you have that experience and you you have a physical experience with energy healing. Yes. That's when it goes from being this like strange concept that your analytical mind can't quite wrap itself around to okay, I don't understand how it works, but I know it works. Exactly. Exactly. Even now uh, because I'm a Reiki master as well. When people ask me how it works, it's kind of hard to explain that, isn't it? Yes. And it's just something that you need to experience. Yeah. And you become a believer. And it's, you know, I I love that so many more people are becoming aware of things like Reiki and other types of energy healing. Um, But it's, it's a slow roll with it because we've been living for so many decades in the, um, I guess, from the industrial age. Yes. So assembly line workers and factory workers, and it was all just very methodical and very left brain analytical. And I love that we are coming back around to some of these practices. And I have found that more people are interested in it and know about it than I would have thought. Um, And so it's encouraging, but we still have a long way to go. We still have a long way to go. And and yet what you said about things like Reiki being out there, I mean, back when I got certified for my first class, I would, you know, research Google Reiki and uh, maybe a few people were doing it, but now it's, it's just extensive. And I, and I feel that, what we went through through COVID is is the energy shifting. Mm-hmm. The uh, the earth is shifting uh, because more of us are aware, more of us are spiritually awakened, and and I think that might be causing the shift. Mm-hmm. Don't know, but I'm thinking that it might have something to do with it. And it's absolutely it's because we're growing. Yeah. We are growing as as human beings and. Even the babies now that are born so much just smarter and yes. they can uh, work with a phone at one year old. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Yeah. I know. It's 
yeah, they're better at it than I am. Uh, yes, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My grandsons are always teaching, well, grandma, why don't you do it this way? I'm like, what are you talking about? And yeah, it's, uh, it's quite impressive. Um, so I know that you are a grief coach. You work with bereaved mothers. Um, what is your experience about why people either stay stuck in grief or continue to suffer with their grief or through their grief? Well, thank you, Lori. That's a really good question. What I'm finding out is, number one, people. some people think that holding to that grief keeps them connected to their sons or daughters or whoever they've lost. Mm -hmm. And that is completely the opposite. When I was going through my grief, even though I had messages from Roy, I couldn't connect with him because there was so much in my energy that was blocking him. So number one thing is that that is a myth. And if if you, if anyone believes that is, is unfortunately working against them. Mm -hmm. Another reason is acceptance. We are, we are not able to accept something that we don't like. Mm -hmm. We fight with it. We go to war with it. We, feel that we are entitled to a certain type of life, that the fact that we say losing a child is the worst thing that could ever happen to you was one of the biggest things I had to deal with when I was going through my grief. I, I remember sitting in my, my mom's backyard saying, okay, I'm actually going through the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone. That was adding to my sorrow and, and fear. and But now I look at it as like, is it really? Does it have to be? I mean, we all come here. We don't know where we come from. We don't know where we're going. We're just here for a short time. So who decided that? losing a child is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Of course, the pain is, is just insane and deep as it deep as it goes, but that belief can also keep you stuck. Yeah. And, and so those are the things and not accepting is not letting the healing to start and it's pushing things and pushing grief down, pushing feelings that we need to release mm -hmm. pushing those you know the body has a certain amount of space at our cellular levels we hold certain amount of space negative thoughts feelings fears whatever that comes up and after that's filled up they've actually scientists have proven this that the body starts actually giving out uh, the cortisol mm -hmm. uh, um, item that is, is really unfortunately makes you make you sick. Yeah. So the more you hold on to what's not working for you, it's, it's causing you to get sick. Mm -hmm. So I hope I answered your question. You did. That was okay, good. Yeah. Is there anything that people that you recommend people can do to make the journey a little bit easier to navigate this whole thing? Yes, there are actually a few very simple things that we can do. 
One is allowing the, the emotions to come up anytime. If, if you're going through the, especially the beginning part of the grief period, if you're sad, if you're angry, you go to a room, do your crying, hit some pillows if you're angry, and just allow the just emotions to just come up and let go. And another thing that's very helpful is journaling. Journaling your pain, journaling where you are, what you would like, anything that comes through your mind, journal it and, and that will help your mind to release what, what's, what's create, what it's creating because the mind is just a computer that has recorded information in it. It doesn't know anything else. You know, I love that your sister, um, what you said about your sister giving you a gift certificate to take an art class. Um, yes. I think art can be so healing because what everything yes. you're describing is about releasing all of these emotions that are stuck inside of us. So whether it's through journaling or crying or painting or whatever it is, it's about the release and just getting it out because otherwise you're carrying all that with you and it's yeah. heavy. It's very heavy. It, yeah. it, it takes over your life. It just, I've known, I've been told about mothers who have lost a child 20 years after they're still talking about it. And, uh, they're still in pain. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. It really doesn't because it does no good for you, no good for your people around you, and no good for your loved one who's on the other side. Right. You know, when I remember when Greg first passed away, I had this thought, and I've shared this before, but I truly believe this. I thought, okay, if I had passed away before my mom did, would I want her to be miserable the rest of her life? No, I yeah. would want her to be joy filled with joy at times. And yes, experience the sadness at times over me not being here anymore physically, but to wow. experience the fullness of life and to continue living in a way that, and this is what I try to do is live in a way that honors Greg's life and legacy so that, my loved, you know, my my mom, my dad, Greg, my loved ones in spirit are proud of me. Exactly. I don't, yes. you know, it doesn't matter that they're not here physically to be proud of me, but to say, wow, look at what she's doing. Yes. Yes. That's, wow. I love that way of thinking. And I just want to acknowledge that how sensitive you are and how, how far you're going to really get connected with them because you know as we learn in reiki we're all energy everything we look at is energy but unfortunately we're not taught that and so we feel that the chair that we're sitting on is just a chair right so because we're all energy no matter where we are because this body is is just a body but the biggest part of us which is our soul is the energy is an energetic world and who's there to say that our connection gets cut because the body dies right well and our our soul is limitless 
Exactly. Yes. Yes, it is limitless. We are limited. But as a soul, we're limitless. And that's why we can connect to our loved ones in spirit. And I know that you, like you said, you, you shared the beautiful story about the messages that you got from Roy, just what was it days after? Yes, it was a couple of days. So I have a question though. This is um, interesting to me. You were born in Iran. And so obviously you live, you didn't move to the United States until you were, how old were you when you moved here? I was 20 years old. I married my first husband and moved out here. Yeah. Did you learn anything about energy healing or metaphysical anything growing up in Iran? Because it is so different from the United States and we, you know, being a capitalistic society and, and I'm not slamming that at all because I'm very grateful for it, but it's a different culture. So did, were you raised learning any metaphysical type tools or not? None, none whatsoever. The only thing that we were taught was God and God is there. And I believed in God completely. And no, you know, it's, it's like any type of, uh, it was a country that I was born in and we had our own customs and things, different way of living than here, of course. But I'm, I'm really seeing that even though we might be different parts of the world, there are certain things that we learn that is universal. And not talking about death and thinking that somebody who's in grief, we can't deal with, we don't know how to deal with that. And energy, no, none of this was a part of my life ever in my upbringing up to the point when when I lost my husband and and my son only after because I were I went in search of it mm-hmm. yeah that's that's when I found it I I never thought I could sit with a mother who has lost a child and help her heal and and I'm getting goosebumps right now that she she can actually heal and just go on, get on with her life. I had a client who had lost a baby and a 10-year-old to cancer. And this woman, beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous woman, two more children. And she, in one of the sessions, she said every time she drives by the cemetery, she can't stop crying. And after a few of our sessions, she called me and said, guess what? I went, I drove by the cemetery and I was perfectly fine. So these things, you know, it's, it's, I know it's not me. It's coming through and, but I I am a vessel and that's what I'm grateful for because I've never done any of this before. This is all new and I'm just, to be honest with you, loving it with all of me. (laughs) I can tell. I can tell. I mean, it it shines through you and and it should give hope and inspiration to anyone who is in that deep, dark place and feels hopeless because, you know, you did it. I did it. We're doing it. Other people are doing it and it is possible. And there's nothing special about you or me. No. That 
anybody else can't do. Exactly. And I, you know, you and I were both in corporate America, living yes. typical American life. And my path started with my divorce in 2008. Yours started, you know, earlier than that, but after, yes. after other events in your life. But you go on this journey of self-exploration and trying to find out why am I here and who mm -hmm. am I without, and I'm, sh so when I got divorced, I thought, okay, my children are grown and one was mm -hmm. married and had a child. Greg was just out of high school. So I was still a mom, but I wasn't raising children. So when you take, you know, I was no longer a wife. I was no longer raising children. When And I thought, well, when you strip away all the labels, who am I at my core? Well, you lost your husband and then your son. So I'm yes. sure you had the same. It's like you're just lost in the wilderness at first going, who am I and where do I belong? And that, I think, yeah. is part of what, if you choose it, will lead you to the ex exploration that we've been talking about. And so I'd love to, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about finding purpose, how someone can find purpose after a trauma or a loss? Oh, thank you. Wow, what a great question. In my opinion, if you decide, because like you, after I saw my son was gone, my husband was gone, I was like, I would sit here and ask God, why am I here? Because the only thing I knew about me was being a daughter first a sister and then a mother <laughs> a wife and a mother after that and it was all gone it was like okay so why am I still here I really wanted to know and it did not come to me until I started the journey step by step as I said you know when I did the personal growth program I realized that all the life that I had in in my mind was not the only thing out there in my mind you would just live your life be a mother and then have grandchildren and you die but i found that there's just so much more out there that could just be amazing just living into it the richness of life when we believe that there's more than the brain gets bigger I guess it gets more aware and you feel like I feel the joy I feel now I've never felt in my life and I know some people may kind of not believe that but it's really the truth mm -hmm. because before I'd never felt myself I always was waiting for other people to make me happy it was my my husband's job to make me happy. It was my son's job to make me feel grateful. And I realized that's not the way it works. Yeah. Life doesn't work that way. It's so, it's a it's from inside out, not outside in. <laughs> exactly. And then when you are able to feel that joy, other people around you feel it. It expands out. There's a ripple effect. But exactly. Exactly. I'm curious to know the first, if, if you remember, whether it was the first time or, you know, at some point after 
your first husband had passed and after Roy passed, when you felt joy, did you allow yourself to feel all of it? Or did you think, oh, how, you know, did you like feel guilty for feeling joy? Because I know that that's very common with bereaved moms. Yeah, it really is common. And in the beginning, I might have. To be honest with you, I cannot exactly remember, but I do recall that when I was in that joyous space, I was I was completely in. Good. I I was maybe a few first minutes. I would say, okay, can I feel this joy? But as the more I allowed myself to feel it, it was just kept coming. It just kept coming in. And uh, and the more joy that I feel, the life is more precious. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, you know, people around me feel it. And um, yeah, you know, you impact people whether you know it or not. It's not only by saying something; it's by being someone. And it's really amazing Absolutely. how the transformation can happen for them as you transform yourself. Yes. And then watching that is beautiful. Yes. It? It's amazing. I mean, I hear my sister say things that I never thought they would. Yeah. And I just sit there and grin and say, wow, yeah. this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much healing that can happen within a family when one person heals. Yes. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. As again, you know, we're energy. So whatever we create in our in our in our bodies and in our minds can be transferred without us knowing. And that's what I love about Reiki because you actually can help another person feel great and relaxed and feel like you know. Yeah. So. You mentioned a little while ago about, um, you know, our thoughts and the mind and how that mm-hmm. affects um, affects us and limiting beliefs. Can you share some ways that we can let go of limiting beliefs that people may be holding on to that are preventing them from moving forward in their healing? Yes. Thank you for asking that. So the way limiting beliefs work is we were told certain things, especially when we're children. It's amazing how much of uh, what we go through during adulthood comes from that. When we're children, we're told something, something happens to us. Unfortunately, people who have gone through really bad stuff happening to them, like molestation. And so we, because we as children, we can't do anything about these things, about the events, about how we felt. People wouldn't listen to children for a long time. We just keep everything inside. And the more we push things in, we the body keeps taking it because there's nowhere else to go. And, and as we grow up, we keep pushing things in, pushing things in. It gets to a point like a loss or losing a job, losing a uh, relationship, divorce. That's the point that the body says, I'm not doing this. I can't hold on to all of this. 
what are you doing to me? So it starts really letting you know by feeling grief, by feeling sadness, by uh, feeling regrets. A lot of grief, grieving people go through regrets. So these emotions are real emotions that are coming up. So by just, again, you know, releasing and letting go and and being aware of the thoughts that you have, mm-hmm. being aware what is going on with me. If I'm sad, we need to go to the body. And that's what we do during our sessions. Go to the body, find where you're hurting, then see what the thought is and really look at it, analyze it. I love you know, one thing that could be very helpful for your listeners, the work by Byron Katie. That is amazing. It's transformational with four little questions. Mm-hmm. Just pull up the work by Byron Katie and you will trans- transform that feeling like limiting thoughts or whatever is keeping you stuck. Mm-hmm. And just, it's amazing how fast it works. Five minutes, maybe the most so really just knowing what's coming up is very important and then knowing how to let it go is also very important i love what you said because the first step is about awareness being aware of what we're feeling you know we don't like feeling uncomfortable feeling the lower level emotions and so we just push them aside and we either you know we overwork ourselves we overeat, we drink too much, we take drugs, we, you know, we shop, whatever it is that we choose to do to avoid feeling our feelings. And, you know, going back to the beginning of our conversation, all that's doing is pushing them down, pushing them down, but we're still carrying them with us. We have to release them. You have to. Yes. Yes. And that's why Reiki is really important. So it's a good way of doing it. And, and what I do in my sessions, you know, is to do coaching in the beginning of the session because whatever is up in our, in the mind still kind of creates emotions in the body. So by letting go of thoughts during the coaching part of it and then Reiki releasing emotions from the body, it's, it's very effective. So yes, if if people need people to talk, to work with, just go on Google and find the closest Reiki practitioner or grief coach and yeah, it, it can change your life. Doesn't I, have to be a lifetime. Exactly. Right. Uh, you know, but again, it's a choice that you that only yes. make. I wonder what your thoughts are on how people can navigate the, the initial emotions in the beginning stages of grief. Is there something mm. you can suggest for people who are just starting on a grief journey or even within the first few months or year? I love that question. And I've been thinking about that because we are losing a lot more people since COVID started. And I just feel, oh my gosh, my heart hurts. And um, so the, the only things you can do in the beginning stages is to be kind to yourself, to be kind, to allow emotional release, to have boundaries if you feel that you can't be around people it's your choice Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. let people around you know that right now I'm not feeling great. I just need to be by myself. Or really, if you feel that you're ready, start reaching out for help. Because some people may think that they can deal with their grief by themselves. And believe me, it it doesn't work that way. If I had waited for my grief to go away, I wouldn't be here talking to you. It's like um, the the person who was running the program, we went to Grief Coach Academy. She has a really nice... um, um, explanation about receiving coaching it's like she says if your your tire goes out while you're driving and you're by the side of the road do you wait for the tire to get better <laughs> you have to call someone to call and change the tire for you yes you need to reach out for help so I love that that's a great analogy <laughs> yeah. or so- if you if or if you cut get a cut on your arm yeah. You have to put something on it to get to heal. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, being aware and just knowing that this is a hard part yeah. and accepting. Acceptance is one of the hardest things that anyone can do, as you, you know, probably. Accepting that, okay, it might take a while, but things will get better. It might... I have to go through this and I have to go through this and I will just because I love my, my son. I love my daughter who's on the other side and for them, I will heal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also about accepting that your life has changed. There's no going back to who you were before. Exactly. And yes, you don't have to like what happened. I don't like the fact that Greg is no longer here. You don't like the fact that Roy is no longer here physically. Yes. But accepting what is and accepting the fact that life, I will never be the person I was before January 6th of 2019. You will never be the person you were before, before Roy passed away. Sure. And so who are you going to choose to be now? Yes. Yes. It's, it's like sometimes I say, do I want to give my power to do something good or do I want to give my power to grief? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's everyone's choice. Yes. And like you said, I love what you said about you might not like what happened, but accepting will, will help you through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Important. And it's a choice that I think you have to make sometimes daily, sometimes more than once a day, especially in the early days and the early, you know, with, you know, the first year, the first, however long, it's going to be different for everyone, but you have to make the choice of who you're going to be in any given moment in time. And there are times where you're going to choose to cry and to grieve and that's okay too. doesn't matter how long it's been. And then there are times where you can choose to smile and feel joy and experience joy and experience the fullness of life. Yes. Yes. So beautifully said. And, and also uh, what I was just thinking about was that don't feel guilty about having joy. 
because that's what your loved one on the other side definitely wants wants you to do. Guilt is a huge emotion that bereaved mothers carry with them. I remember the, the day Greg passed away, it was unusually warm in Atlanta for January. And a couple of days later, it got cold. And I remember thinking, well, I deserve to be cold because he's no longer here. So I should be cold. It, it, you know, your, your thinking is so warped and distorted. Yes. But yes. it's the guilt that you feel that cause you to think these crazy things that you wouldn't normally think. And you certainly wouldn't expect anyone else to feel or do. Um, but yeah, guilt is, you know, and then all the coulda, woulda, shouldas. I should have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I w- yeah. It was, and, and part of acceptance too, I think, is coming to accept the fact that if it were to, if it was supposed to have been any other way, it would have been. Yes. So true. So true. And that's not easy to accept. It's not. But when you it definitely is point, not. Yeah. When you can get to that point, I think you've transcended a level of grief or a space of grief that you you don't go back to. You'll still have your moments of sadness and crying and all of that, but but you've it's like you've been catapulted out of that space. Yes, exactly. Yes, I I love that. And 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 just realizing that it can be really healing. Yeah, that you are not in that space anymore. Let's just face it, accepting is not that easy to do. I remember when Roy passed, I was blaming myself for a long time, thinking I should have been there, thinking what what else could I have done? Could have done this, I could have done that. And but I realized at some point. It was his journey. Yeah. And and that's what I've learned in, in spirituality. We really believe that we will come to this world with a journey. We we even choose our parents mm-hmm. when we come. And allowing someone else to go through their journey is not easy. No. It's not easy because we love our loved ones are so important to us. And yet we can't control everything. That's another thing that could cause grief to go deep inside. Mm-hmm. We feel that we can control, but you can always give some of it to the God of your understanding, to the universe, to the higher power. And that that's really healing to know that that's there. Mm-hmm. We are not here just left on our own ideas and on on own knowing and there's always you can learn more absolutely yeah yeah and I love what you said about control I think that from my own experience and from working with my clients what I've learned is that or what I found is that when we have a major loss we tend to hold on to we try to control other people around us even more because we weren't able to control what happened with the loss that we experienced. And so we think, you know, it's not a conscious thing, but, and I did this with my older son um, after Greg passed away, looking Mm. back, I didn't understand what I was doing in the moment, but looking back now, I was 
trying so hard to make sure that he was okay. Yeah. And that I wouldn't lose him in any way. And it took a while for me to realize what I was doing and to step away. Wow. And that's That's, not easy. That's not easy. But, you know, humans are funny creatures and we do have this control issue thing going on. And I do believe from what I've seen, it gets ramped up um, after we have lost, especially after we've lost a child. Because we think that no matter how old our children are, we have this idea that we should be able to keep them safe. But like you said, they're on their journey, just like we're on our journey. Oh, true. So true. Thanks for bringing that up because it just came to me when everything was okay. You know, a young, young adult, he used to, Roy used to go out and I was adamant that he would call me at a certain time. And that was making him very upset, to be honest with you, very upset. But I was like, no, I have to know where you are every moment because I want you to be safe. Didn't work. It didn't work. No. No, it didn't. But it never does. Because unless we, we can't keep children locked in their bedroom their entire life, we don't, you know, and I remember, you know, learning early on when my oldest son was about, I think he was about four or five. Mm-hmm. And we went to a grocery store. And when we mm-hmm. got out to the parking lot, there was a little toy car in the bag or in his hand or something that we, I had not paid for. And I made him go back inside and give it to the manager and apologize so that he would learn. But in that moment, I realized that even at this age, I, I don't have control over this, this little thing. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So before we close, I'd like to ask you a couple of more questions. What would you recommend someone do if they are trying to support someone who has experienced a loss or trauma and is going through grief? Mm -hmm. How can they be of support to someone? Yeah, thank you for that. That's really important as well. You can support someone by just being there. You can support someone by just saying, if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know what to say. Just providing a space of love. And I mean, you know, like just being there with them. If they're cold, you put something over their shoulders. If um, they want to talk, just listen. Don't fix. You cannot fix them. They don't need to be fixed. They just need someone to listen with compassion. Listen with kindness and they know exactly what they need so if you would like to offer suggestions because when you're in that deep grief it's hard for you to be able to make decisions so you can say for example i can make a casserole and bring it by or i can go pick up the children from school or i can call you and let them decide which one they would prefer. They would really appreciate that. And they're just a human being like you. 
there's nothing different about a, a mother who has lost a child. She's just a human being and she's going through what she needs to go through. So, so see them as, I love this, see them as the hero of their journey, not the victim. I love that. Uh, yeah, that I, I just recently heard that and I, I really loved it and um, taking it on because when we're working with clients, we don't see them as victims. Oh. And, and, they don't need to be judged and don't bring, Oh, this is something that is my pet peeve <laughs> because after, after Roy had passed, my mom and I were, we were both in the same space of sometimes we had to make other people feel better. Oh. They would come to us crying saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going through this. It's like, Oh, it's okay. I'm fine. But yeah, so don't don't bring your own sorrow and grief into their space. If you're going through that, you can just leave and then come back. I love that. That is so true. That's a beautiful point. I love that. Thanks for yeah. sharing that. Oh, of course. Thank you. And just one more thing just came to me. Mm-hmm. Children, children can handle loss much better than we can. Just allow them to be. And just support them. Yeah, I heard someone, she said that uh, she lost her husband when her son is was four years old. And the son would go to her fr- to his friend's house and would say, my, my dad is dead. Then they would go play. So, so yes, children love, just, just, just give your love. Mm-hmm. That's all we need, right? Yes. Like that song, we really just need love. <laughs> That is so true. And I think now more than ever in this world. Yes. Now more than ever. So true. Yeah. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to share? Any, anything you could share that would inspire people who are on this journey? Any kind of journey? Oh, sure. Thank you. You know, it's never too late to start healing. It's never too late to change your life. No matter how long you've been in grief, no matter how long you've been suffering, any moment, even now, it's never too late. It could be a start of the rest of your life. And so just just make that decision. And believe me, if it worked for me, it would work for anyone. If you decide, like, I want to heal this, I want to change my life, I don't want to be in this space of darkness anymore, believe me, somebody will come with a flashlight and a ladder, maybe, to get you out of there. It's just your willingness. We are very powerful beings. Mm -hmm. Our minds are amazingly powerful. And so when we start on the right path, it might not go straight. It's never going to go straight. It's up and down, but you will get, you will get there. And the journey of getting there is, is just amazing. Just, just being on, be, stay on the path. I love it. Thank you for letting me share that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That is 
it's a beautiful note to end this conversation on, although I could talk to you for hours. So if anyone is interested in, you know, checking out your work, following you online, um, where can they find you? Okay, my website is healingwithcompassion.com. It's all spelled out. Uh, you can reach me by email, Zoya, Z-O-Y-A, at healingwithcompassion.com. Can I share one more thing really quickly? Sure. I have a nonprofit organization called Roy's Love Foundation, and it was set up to help the homeless, but we're, we're changing it to uh, supporting our children, young adults, to help them grow spiritually. And if you're interested in being in helping us with that, you can also email me about that. And uh, I would love to get in touch with you because that's that's a passion that I would love to follow. And anyone's support is greatly appreciated. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, Thank you. Are you on social media anywhere? Um, I am. And uh, healing with compassion. You can you can uh, search for Zoya Bokor B O K H O O R. That's my personal page. And also, I have a business page for healingwithcompassion.com. And also, Roy's Love Foundation has a page. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't know the link. But if you if you search Roy's Love Foundation, R-O-Y-S Foundation on, on Facebook, you should okay. be able to find it. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. I will find all of those and I'll post the links in the show notes. This has been such a beautiful conversation. I am so grateful for our connection and for you showing up, sharing yourself, your beautiful son, your husband, your first husband. Um your story and you clearly have such a huge heart and love and passion for what you do. And that shines through. And I'm very, very grateful that you shared with all of us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Lori. I, I am in love with you. <laughs> I just love your energy and what you do. It's just it's so important to help people. And if I may share one more thing that I didn't share yeah. before is that I have been happily remarried to the love of my life. Amazing, amazing human being. I am living now where I've always wanted to live, by the water in California. And I get to do what I love to do. I get to know who I am. I can become every day. That would not have been possible if I didn't decide that night to heal. So I just wanted your listeners to know that, that it might be hard to get there, but you'll get there. Yes. Thank you. That is such a beautiful message of hope and inspiration for people. And that's why I interview the people I interview, because I want to provide hope and inspiration to people who can't get out of bed, who can't cook for their family, who can't take care of themselves because they're so paralyzed with grief after a loss. And it doesn't have to stay that way. And you are a shining example of that. So again, thank you so much. I'm grateful from the bottom of my heart. I love you and the work you're doing. And um, yeah, please, people, uh, you know, 
go and support Zoya on Facebook and reach out to her because she does beautiful work and we all need healing, all of us. So we all do. We all do. I think that's all for this week. And until next week, I am sending you all so much love, light, beauty, and grace. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Grief with Grace. Please be sure to like our Grief with Grace podcast Facebook page and find me on Instagram at at Lori underscore Latimer. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you receive a reminder when new episodes are uploaded. And please leave a rating and review so I can continue to bring you new content and new interviews each week. If you find this podcast valuable, and I really hope you do, please be sure to share it with a woman who could use some inspiration in her life and on her journey. Until next time, I invite you to find a moment of joy today and every day.